Well, good morning again, Taylor's First Baptist Church family. This is our second week of meeting to worship together and look at God's Word together remotely. But I hope you have participated already in the worship time and have sensed the presence of the Lord. You know, I'm hearing very encouraging things from our church family about this time. Even though we're not able to gather together physically, there seems to be a renewed sense of the importance of the body of Christ, how much we really do need one another, and maybe uh, even the fact that we have taken our gathering times just a little bit for granted. So uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the things I'm hearing and how God is moving and speaking among His people in these days. I'm looking forward to, uh, to spending a few minutes with you this morning as we look at a single verse and really a single word that I'm going to emphasize this morning that perhaps more than any other single word I can think of has the power to absolutely revolutionize your life. It's really an attitude of life that, you know, even if you exhibit it poorly, it really doubles the chances of you finding joy and meaning and purpose in life. And the word and the attitude that I'm talking about this morning is hope. Our focal verse this morning, a couple of verses, comes from Romans, the fifth chapter. So if you have your Bible with you, or we have provided you with a message guide this morning as well, and you can follow along there. The verse is written at the top of that page but I'm going to read this morning from Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 3. And God's Word says this. We'll read verses 3 and 4. But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Um, if you have hope, you have something that a lot of people in our world don't have today. And especially as you look at life, it makes all the difference whether or not you do have hope. Because many of the attitudes that people have today as they look at life, as they deal with the circumstances we're dealing with today, have attitudes of anxiety. Uh, believe it or not, I've, I've run across a few who've had attitudes of apathy. Some people have real fear. But as the people of God, we have been given this thing called hope. Most of you are familiar, I'm sure, with a verse in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, and those plans are to give you hope and a future. Now, we need to be a little bit careful with that verse and not take it too much out of context. God spoke those words through His prophet to His people when they were in a time of exile. And there were those who were saying, hey, this isn't going to last long. You guys are, can, can look forward to getting out of this before too much longer. Uh, and, and Jeremiah had to come and say, no, that's not true. This, this exile is going to last for 70 years. Things are not going to be the way you thought they were going to be. However, in that kind of context, God gives the promise and says, I'm going to give you hope and I'm going to give you a future. Not that I'm going to take you out of difficult circumstances, but I'm going to enable you to prosper in the midst of those circumstances. And I don't know about you, but I certainly want to experience that, not just in these challenging days, which hopefully will come to an end at some point, but throughout all of life. So let's look together here at what God's Word has to say. And let me begin by trying to help you with a definition of the word hope. 
The way we use the word hope today is sometimes very different from the way the Bible uses the word hope. When we talk about having hope, sometimes we're really talking about wishing that something might happen. For example, let's say you go to a movie and you say, well, I hope this is going to be a good movie. What you mean by that is, you know, you're wishing that, that, that this movie is going to be good. It'll have a good storyline, a good plot, lots of action or romance or whatever it is you're looking for in the movie. But you don't know that it will be that way. It might be a box office flop, but your wish is that it would be a good movie and that you would really enjoy yourself there. Or let's say if you're a bit younger and you're going out on a date, uh, you might be thinking about that date. You know, my, I, I hope I have a good time. In other words, my wish is that this guy or this gal that I'm going out with is going to be a lot of fun. You know, they're not going to chew with, with their mouth open. They're not going to be a jerk, not going to embarrass me, something like that. So I'm wishing, my wish is that this is going to be a good experience. In fact, I might even be wishing that I find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, but you don't know whether or not that's going to happen. You're just wishing it to be so. Well, that is not the way God's Word uses the word hope. When the Bible talks about hope, it's not talking about having a wish. It's talking about having confidence, having assurance. So we say, I have hope, so, hey, I'm not afraid. I have hope, so I can walk into the future with confidence. I have hope. Because I know and I am assured that this is going to work out for my ultimate good. So let me just help you here with a biblical definition of hope. And if you want to write this down in your message guide, here's the definition. It says, a biblical definition of hope is this. Hope is living with the assurance or the confidence that God is in Control. That is the biblical definition of hope. Knowing and living with the assurance and the confidence that God is really in control of all things. So we're not talking about the power of positive thinking or not talking about being an optimistic person. Optimism and hope really aren't the same thing. Um, maybe you've heard the illustration about the optimist and the pessimist, so I brought uh, my picture with me this morning. Uh, what does an optimist see when they look at this picture? Okay, they see a picture that's what? Half full. That's the optimist. The pessimist looks at the picture and says, well, you know, that, that picture's half empty. And so he looks at it in that pessimistic kind of way. Well, a person of hope looks at this picture and says, you know, this picture is firmly held in the hands of God. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about living with biblical hope. So when we understand that and we view life from that kind of foundation, it really does make all the difference in the way we approach life and how we experience life. So if you have your message guide with you this morning, I've got a couple of verses on there that just kind of point out the fact that God is in control. There's a, there's a lot of verses we could look at, but just looking at the guide here, Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Another verse from Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1, We may make our plans, but God has the final word. He has the last word. In other words, God is in control. We just have to believe it, internalize it, and live with that assurance and confidence 
confidence that no matter what we face in life, God's sovereign hand is controlling everything. So let's look for a few minutes, a few minutes this morning, first of all, at the power of of hope. Three things that I, I want to point out here about what hope does. What difference does hope make in your life and my life? Biblical hope. Well, number one, the first thing that I have listed for you here is this. If I have hope, I can get started. If I have hope, I can get started. Now, right out here in the parking lot, in fact, I can see it out the door here, is my car. A lot of people make fun of my car. It's 21 years old. It's a Jeep Cherokee, but I love that car, and I just keep on driving. I keep it washed so it looks good on the outside. I try to keep uh, oil in the engine and keep it tuned up so that it runs well, and, and you know I can channel that power to get me down the highway. Uh, but you know, this morning when I stuck my key in the ignition, if that starter hadn't worked, uh, that car would still be sitting in my driveway instead of here at Taylor's First Baptist Church. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, we're a lot like a car. Um, we, we look good, or we can make ourselves look good on the outside. We have a lot of power and a lot of potential on the inside. But you know, sometimes it's just hard to get started. There's a black cloud that hangs over us, or there's a, a problem that seems to defy us, or there's a relationship that discourages us. And we just have a hard time getting started. But listen, when we remember that God is in control of all things, we can have confidence and we can have assurance and we can get started no matter what our circumstances may be. You'll note a familiar verse that I have here on your message guide from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, those who hope in the Lord, there's the word, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So when we have hope, no matter what may be trying to drag us down, hold us back, we can always get started. We can not be held back when we understand and realize and internalize that God really is in control of all things. His sovereign hand is ordering everything in my life and everything in the world. So number one, when I have hope, I can get started. Number two, when I have hope, I can live with dot, dot, dot. And the dot, dot, dots are there because you can fill in the blank. When I have hope, I can live with whatever it is. Hurt, pain, struggle, relationship issues, uh, pressures that are crowding in on me. I can live with those things. When I know God is in control of my life and in control of my circumstances, I really can live with anything. That doesn't mean things are going to be easy. Doesn't mean I'll, I won't get hurt. Doesn't mean I won't get disappointed. But I can live with those things. Whatever pressure, in fact, I can handle more pressure than I ever think I can handle if I have biblical hope. The Apostle Paul knew what it was like to live with that kind of pressure. And I've got some verses down here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me just read them. You follow along in your Bible or in the message guide. Paul says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength 
that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. For on Him we have set our what? Our hope that He will deliver us again. Life is going to throw all kinds of things at us, and many of those things are going to be unexpected, unwelcomed, unwanted. But when I have hope, I can live with dot, dot, dot. I can live with anything when I know that God's hand is in sovereign control of my life and all that's going on around me. And then thirdly, quickly, we can see from God's Word that when I have hope, I can move on. I can move on. It doesn't just help me get started, and it doesn't just help me live with whatever is facing me in life, but it enables me to move beyond that hurt, move beyond that loss, move beyond that disappointment, move beyond that defeat. And it gives me my bearing in life. You know, there was a woman back in the 1950s, her name was Florence Chadwick. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel from England to France and back again. But she was swimming one time. Um, she was going to swim from Catalina Island to uh, uh, out in the Pacific to California. And she started that swim, and, um, but she didn't finish. And it wasn't because the water was freezing. It was. It wasn't because there were a lot of sharks in the area. There were. Florence Chadwick stopped probably a half mile from her goal because thick fog rolled in and she couldn't see the shoreline and she lost her bearings. When she got out of the water, she said, look, I'm not trying to make an excuse, but if the fog had not rolled in, if I had been able to see the shore, I could have finished this swim. Several days later, she tried again. And again, the fog rolled in. But this time, as she saw the fog coming, she set her bearings on the coastline. And she was able to finish the swim. See, she got her bearings. And that's what hope does for us. It gives us a bearing. It gives us a direction. And enables us to move on past whatever may be troubling us, wanting to hold us back, seeking to defeat us. So these are, these are things that hope does for us. It is the power of God within us that enables us to get started, to live with whatever it might be, and to move on from that into the future God has for us. Now I want to close this morning by returning to the text that I read to begin with, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, because here is the process for finding hope. You say this morning, Pastor, I'd love to find that kind of hope. Well, I want to share with you how you can find that. There is a process. I want to say to you now, this is God's process. It's not the process you would probably use. It's not the process I would probably come up with. You know, if somebody was to say, okay, pastor, give me, give me a process or a procedure for finding hope. Well, I'd probably say, oh gosh, I don't know, take off, go to the mountains for a couple of weeks, go to the beach, uh, go to the Bahamas, you know, go on a cruise. Of course, you can't do that anymore right now, but just get away. Find something you can do to help you forget what you're going through and get some hope back. Well, that is not God's process. Uh, you know, the Bible says God's ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. So this is a very different kind of process. In fact, you may not even like this process, but this is God's process for finding hope. Let's look at it together. There's, there are four steps here that I want to run through very quickly. Here's the first one. If you want to find hope, here's the first thing you got to do. You ready? You're going to love this one. Get a problem. Get a problem. 
That's the first step in finding hope. Now, that ought to encourage some of you because you got some problems right now. And I want to tell you, if you got a problem, you're on your way to finding hope because Romans chapter 5, verse 3, we read it a moment ago. Let me read the first part of it again. Paul says, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. Again, that ought to be good news for some of us because we're already on our way. I know it sounds crazy, but the Word of God says that God works through problems. He works through the things that we sometimes think are going to actually rob us of hope. And He uses those things to bring hope into our lives. Uh, the Apostle James, uh, look at the verse there uh, on your message guide. Chapter 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. We need to understand that if we can look at our problems, look at those things that, that seem to rob us of joy and understand that God wants to use those things to give us joy and give us hope, then we're on our way. So step number one, just get a problem. If you've got a problem, you're in good company and you've positioned yourself well to receive hope. Number two, after you get a problem, uh, then you need to practice Patience. Practice patience. Romans 5, 3, but we rejoice in our sufferings. There's the problem. Knowing that suffering produces endurance or patience. That's what the word really means. Now, note it's not just the problem that gives you hope. It's the problem plus patience. If problems were enough to give us hope, then we'd all have a lot of hope, right? But it's not just having a problem. It's problems plus patience that gives us hope. Now, that word patience means to remain under something. You see, when we've got a problem, usually the first thing we want to do is try to get out from under it, get out from under the problem. But God's Word says, no, we need to remain under the problem so that God can do the things that He wants to do in our lives. We've got to remain there. Uh, Romans 8.25 says, But if we must keep trusting God for something that hasn't happened yet, it teaches us to what? Wait patiently and confidently. So the situation we're dealing with now all across our nation and around the world and the individual specialized, individualized problems that you're dealing with in your life, practice patience, endurance. Let God take those things. Don't, don't seek so much to ask the question why, but ask the question what. God, what are you wanting to do here? What are you wanting to teach me? Give me patience and endurance as I face this problem so that I can have hope. Third thing. Let God develop your character. Let God develop your character. Romans 5, 3 and 4. But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. See, when, when you have patience and God begins to work, then He begins to change something. And the thing that He usually changes is you or me. Uh, I, I love what uh, James chapter 1, verse 4 uh, says here, it says, don't try to squirm out of your problems, for when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you'll be ready for anything strong in character, full and complete. Now that word character means uh, 
integrity that has been tried or integrity that has been tested. You know, you may think you know the kind of Christian you are. You may think you know how you respond to something, but we don't always know that. Um, a raw recruit with eight weeks of boot camp under his belt is not proven battle worthy until he's faced the fire of the enemy. The same is true of a ship that's built in dry dock. Until it gets out there on the ocean waves and is tested by the gale force winds, we don't know if it's seaworthy or not. So our faith has to be tested. Our integrity, our character has to be tested. And when we pass the test, then God is able to do some incredible things in our lives and we begin to get in on this hope. That really leads to the fourth thing here, okay? Get a problem, number one. Number two, practice patience. Number three, let God develop your character. And then when all that has happened, number four, just enjoy hope. Listen to this, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So when you follow this process that God gives you, He is able to build hope into your life. Hope is not something you can work up. It is something that God sends down to you as you work through this process. Isaiah 49 verse 23 says, I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. In other words, if your hope is in the Lord, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy hope. You can enjoy hope life, no matter what comes your way. Let me close with these final promises. A couple of verses here. Lamentations, a book that's surely one of the most sorrowful pieces of literature ever written. Just read through it sometime if you want a good dose of depression. But in the midst of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, listen to these words. Hope returns when I remember one thing. The Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue. They never come to an end. Great is your faithfulness. Here's a guy who knew what it was like to plumb the depths of despair. But he says, let me tell you when I can find hope again. Okay, it's when I focus on the Lord's unfailing love and His mercy, His sovereign control over my life and all the circumstances of life. And I can proclaim, God, great is your faithfulness. That gives me hope. And then finally, I shared this verse with you a couple of weeks ago. From Hebrews chapter 6, a couple of verses, 18 and 19. Therefore, we who have fled to God for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the what? Here it is again, the word. As we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Is your picture half full or half empty? Or better yet, is it held in the hands of a sovereign God? It is hope that will help you get started, live with anything, and move on from that into the future that God has for you. So we thank Him for that today. And I pray this has been an encouragement to you as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time. We're grateful for the opportunity to spend with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, thank You for the technology that enables us to do that, even when we cannot be physically uh, in the, our uh, physically in presence with one another. And Lord, we're just grateful that today we can worship, we can pray, we can look at Your Word together, and we can allow You to continue Your work in us of shaping us and conforming us to the image of Your Son, Jesus. So Lord, thank You for this time. May it encourage us as we move into the week ahead is the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close this morning with a final song of worship. So join us uh, as we sing and as we worship, and we'll look forward to seeing you again 
this coming week.